Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of virtual and social distanced worship, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com, click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can send in your offering through the mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Our next Holy Week service will be on Friday, April 2nd at 6 p.m. to observe Good Friday. On Sunday, April 4th, we will celebrate Easter outdoors at either 8 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. Please visit our website to register. For over 70 years, the One Great Hour of Sharing offering has provided Presbyterians a way to share God's love with our neighbors in need around the world. There are three programs supported by the One Great Hour of Sharing, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, the Presbyterian Hunger Program, and Self-Development of People, and they all work in different ways to serve individuals and communities in need. From initial disaster response to ongoing community development, their work fits together to provide people with safety, sustenance, and hope. Next weekend, we will take the One Great Hour of Sharing offering after the Easter Outdoor Services, or you may give online through our website or through the mail. Every week during the Divine Appointments message series, Pastor John is taking a deeper dive into the sermon in a special podcast episode called Stonebridge Extras. Stonebridge Extras was created to help deepen your discipleship, deepen your understanding of the Bible, and your understanding of how to follow Jesus. Stonebridge Extras is published weekly with our new sermon podcast. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Please continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello, Stonebridge. This week, our scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of our Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Hello, Stonebridge. I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge Community Church. And this week, we are concluding our sermon series entitled Divine Appointments. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at how Jesus interacts with different individuals in the Gospel of John so that we can learn how Jesus interacts with us and we can learn how we interact with other people. And this week, we're concluding this series by looking at Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. 
and looking at when she anoints Jesus. So I invite you to look into the scriptures with us, to dive into the Gospel of John, and to prepare yourself for our Easter celebration, which will take place next week. Please join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, open up your word to us now. Open your scriptures up to us now. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit so we can understand how we can be your disciples and how we can follow you in the way Mary follows you. So guide us through your scriptures now, Lord. We thank you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. This weekend begins what is called Holy Week. We know that we are celebrating Easter next weekend. But Easter is not just a one holiday isolated by itself. There's a whole week of, of days that lead up to Easter where we celebrate different things each day. And this weekend, we have Palm Sunday. In Palm Sunday, we set aside some time to remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem triumphantly. In the Gospels, it's sometimes called the triumphal entry. That's the name that people have given this scene in each of the Gospels where Jesus enters into Jerusalem almost as a conquering king. At least by the crowds around him, he's celebrated as a conquering king. There's all sorts of imagery that reflects how kings would enter into cities that they conquered here when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. There's also Old Testament imagery about the Messiah and how the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem. So the crowd that is around Jesus cheering, they're cheering for him as a triumphant king. But we have to remember that there's a bit of irony here. And in this name, triumphal entry, there's a bit of irony also. Because while Jesus may be entering Jerusalem as a conquering king, what he does while he's in Jerusalem is far from a conquering king. And while the crowd may be cheering for Jesus as an entering triumphant king, if they knew what Jesus was about to do, that crowd would not be cheering for Jesus. In fact, they'd probably be running as far from Jesus as they could get if they knew what Jesus was about to do. Because Jesus is entering Jerusalem not to conquer it, but to go to the cross. Jesus knows that he is going to his death. He knows that he is going to be beaten, that he is going to be tortured, and that he is going to die his death upon a cross. Jesus knows this, but the crowd, they would have no idea. Because in Jesus' day, a cross was not a symbol of hope. A cross was not a symbol that you turned to for comfort. Many authors reflecting on the way the Roman Empire used crucifixion have said the cross was essentially state-sponsored terrorism. The Roman Empire used crucifixion to create terror in the people it was ruling over. They used it as a way of shaming people. There was shame attached to the cross. There was fear attached to the cross. So if this crowd cheering for Jesus as he entered in, if they knew what Jesus was about to do, what was going to happen in his life, there's no way that they would be cheering him. Jesus is not entering Jerusalem to conquer as a king that they would expect would conquer. Jesus is entering Jerusalem to not conquer it, but to conquer sin. 
Jesus enters Jerusalem not to overcome Jerusalem, but to overcome death. And Jesus is entering Jerusalem not to oppress Jerusalem like many kings oppress the towns that they conquer, but he's entering Jerusalem to free Jerusalem and the entire world from the oppression of evil. And he's going to do that through the cross. But the crowd, they don't understand it. Nobody really seems to understand what Jesus is trying to do. Even his disciples don't seem to understand what he's trying to do, what he's about to do, what God is going to do through him. Peter doesn't accept that Jesus is going to go to the cross. Peter refuses to accept that Jesus is going to have to go to the cross. His closest disciples don't understand it. Nobody seems to understand what Jesus is about to do except for Mary. The Mary that we just read about in John chapter 12. She understands it. She gets it. Whenever we talk about Mary in the Bible, it can get really confusing very quickly because there are a number of Marys. The Mary that we are talking about here in John chapter 12, the one who anoints Jesus at this banquet in Bethany, this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's not the Mary we're talking about. This is also not Mary, the aunt of Jesus, who is mentioned at the cross in the Gospel of John. That's not who we're talking about either. And this is also not Mary Magdalene, who is the first person to see Jesus when he's resurrected in the Gospel of John after he appears. It's none of those Marys that we're talking about. The Mary that we're talking about in John chapter 12 is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Back in John 11, Lazarus is a friend of Jesus's who has died. And Mary and Martha, his sisters, they are grieving. And Jesus could have stopped it if he had been there, but he delayed. He shows up days after Lazarus has died. And both Martha and Mary confront Jesus and say, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We learn from that story that the Mary that we are talking about here, Jesus is close with her. Jesus is close with this whole family because Jesus, he weeps at their grief when Lazarus is dead. And then, amazingly, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus brings him back to life. In a sign of the resurrection to come, Jesus brings Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus back to life. That's the Mary that we are talking about here. Her family has hosted a banquet for Jesus as Jesus is getting ready to enter into Jerusalem. In fact, this is taking place the day before the triumphal entry. This is the night before Jesus is going to enter in as a conquering king. He spends it at a banquet with his friends. And while they're all sitting around there, Mary breaks open this bottle of perfume and anoints Jesus' feet with this perfume. You can just imagine the house filling up with this aroma from the perfume and how pleasant it would have felt or, or smelt. Judas right away begins to mock Mary, though. He says that what she did was a waste, that she should have spent the money that she could have gotten for the perfume in another way, spent it on the poor. But then Jesus defends her. Jesus lifts her up. And we learn from that that Mary is a model for discipleship. As she anoints Jesus' feet, she is an example for what we are supposed to be as disciples. Whenever Jesus praises somebody or elevates them or defends them or lifts them up, we should look to that person in the Gospels as an example of what we are to be like and how we are to respond to Jesus. 
Because the rest of the crowd, they don't understand what Jesus is about to do, but Mary gets it. What Jesus is about to do is give everything he has and go to the cross. All that Jesus is, his life, his being, he is going to leave it there on the cross. He's going to give of himself, sacrifice himself. And Mary, she understands that. We know she understands that because Jesus says that she bought this perfume for the day of his burial. And she's chosen the night before the triumphal entry to break this perfume and anoint Jesus' feet. She knows Jesus is going to die. She knows he's going to sacrifice himself. She knows what is going to happen. She gets it. So we are supposed to be like Mary. But I just wonder from this one story, what can we learn from her? How can we be like her? Reflecting on the story, there's two things that have really stood out to me from Mary as an example of discipleship here. And the first thing that I see from Mary here is that she does not shy away from the cross. She understands what Jesus is about to do. She understands that he is going to die his death and it's going to be gruesome and it's going to be difficult and there's going to be suffering. But she doesn't shy away from that moment. She has bought this perfume for the moment of his burial. She has bought this perfume to prepare him for this. And she has this fearlessness about her. She is going to honor this occasion. She is going to mark this occasion regardless of what anyone else says. Even though Judas and maybe other disciples would have mocked her and ridiculed her. Even though there is a scandalousness to the way she really anoints Jesus' feet. She's fearless and she doesn't shy away from the cross. I think for many of us Christians, this part of our American culture that wants to deny that there are problems, that wants to act like everything is perfect, it takes over. And we don't be honest with each other. We can't be honest with each other. But Mary, she acknowledges what Jesus is going to do. Which tells us there is freedom for us to not shy away from the cross ourselves. To acknowledge the things that have caused shame in our lives. To acknowledge the things that we regret. To acknowledge the mistakes that we made. The things that we need forgiveness for. We can acknowledge those. Because there on the cross, Jesus overcame those as well. So, like Mary, let us acknowledge the cross here. That's the first thing I see Mary doing. She doesn't shy away from the cross. She doesn't ignore the moment. She doesn't ignore the suffering that's about to happen. She acknowledges all of it appropriately. But the second thing that I see Mary doing here is that she's giving extravagantly. She's giving to Jesus. And part of being a disciple is giving to Jesus. I want to say specifically, giving financially to Jesus is part of being a disciple. Now, a few months ago, I preached on giving. And one thing I said then, which is true and I stand by, is that if you're not comfortable giving to a church, make sure you're giving to a nonprofit or some other organization that aligns with causes you care about because giving financially is important. 
I want to say that is true, but what we learn from Mary's example here and from the interaction with Judas, when Judas tries to say that the money should have been given to the poor, and Jesus says to Judas, no, what she did was appropriate. She gave it to Jesus to mark this occasion. From this story and this example, we learn something important. That is that giving to the church is important also. Jesus is the one who instituted the church. Jesus is the one who created the church so that his news of hope and resurrection could be spread so that there could be glimpses of the kingdom of God in different communities. The church is important and Jesus set it up. And I believe that giving financially to the church, it is important. And you may think, oh, well, Mary just gave a bottle of perfume. It doesn't really matter. Well, this perfume was incredibly expensive. Judas tells us that this perfume could have gotten about 300 denarii. 300 denarii, that would have been about a year's worth of wages in Jesus' day. This is about an annual salary here. That's the amount that Mary gives to Jesus in this moment. So giving, it's part of discipleship. And giving to the church is part of discipleship. And what I think it does is it acknowledges the sacrifice Jesus made. And it's a constant reminder to us that we are called to sacrifice as well. That giving to the church, it reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice every single month, every single time we do it. We are sacrificing a smaller amount so that we can be aware of Jesus' larger sacrifice and live appropriately. And over time, it changes your perspective. It helps you to see Jesus' sacrifice in other areas as well. It is a part of discipleship. There's a couple of things, though, that I do want to say about giving to the church. And I want to be very, very clear here. I am not a prosperity gospel preacher. Um, that's just not my theology. That's not really the tradition that I line up with. Although, I have been told when I let my hair grow long, I'd look a little bit more like Joel Osteen. That's not my theology at all. I, I'm, yeah, that's, that's not me. And I want to say something really clearly. I think giving to the church is important, not because I think God is going to bless you abundantly in this life because you gave. I think God will bless you. I think your life will become a reflection of what God hopes for it, but not fully until Jesus shows up, the kingdom of God is established, and the resurrection takes place. So I want to set expectations appropriately here. I'm not saying give to the church so that you get a great car or God blesses you in some other way in this life. I'm saying give to the church because it changes your perspective. It helps you to follow Jesus better. And because your gift and your giving, God will bless and use to help other people know who Jesus is. This is the way Jesus chose to reveal himself was through the church. So... That's one thing that I think that's important. The other thing that I think is important is, while I obviously would want you to give to Stonebridge, this is not a fundraiser for Stonebridge right now. We're talking about a spiritual practice. This is a discipline of discipleship. So if you are not comfortable giving to Stonebridge, find a congregation that you are comfortable giving to. This is about people following Jesus well. And following Mary's example of discipleship here, where she's willing to give this expensive bottle of perfume for Jesus to mark this occasion. So, if Stonebridge is not the congregation that you feel comfortable giving to, I encourage you to seek one that you can give to. 
because the point is finding Jesus. I do also have to say though, obviously I want you to be part of our mission to reach the lost with us, to make disciples, to send them back out, to help people know who Jesus is, what God did in Jesus and through the resurrection. But if this congregation isn't the one that you feel like you need to be a part of that mission with, find one you can give to because it is an important part of being a disciple. And the last thing I want to say on giving here is while Mary's gift was expensive and was extravagant, I don't believe that the amount is what matters here. I believe it's the practice over time. God calls us to give what we can, to give just enough that is a sacrifice for us. So I don't know what that amount would be, but I encourage you to reflect on that, to think about that, and to find a time and an amount that you can give, and to do it regularly as a practice. I don't know if Mary saved up money for this perfume. I don't know if she was just wealthy, but we know she gave enough to feel it as a sacrifice, enough that Judas was acknowledging that this was a sacrifice. So let us remember Mary. Let us follow in her example of discipleship. I just imagine Jesus the next day after Mary anoints his feet, riding into Jerusalem. And I wonder what he must have felt. The crowd is cheering him as a conquering king. The crowd is lifting him up as a conquering king. Maybe some of them expected him to overthrow violently the Roman Empire. But Jesus knew that they didn't understand it. And he knew that a difficult road lay ahead for him. I wonder if he felt fear. I wonder if he felt trepidation. We don't know exactly what he's feeling. But I can't help but think that Jesus was also remembering what happened the day before when his friend Mary used this lavish perfume to anoint him and acknowledged that she understood what was about to happen, that she understood his burial was coming, and that she had hope that like her brother Lazarus had been raised, Jesus would be raised. Mary anointed Jesus to go to the cross, and by doing so, she understood that she would also sacrifice with him. That's what we're called to as disciples. So may we follow in Mary's example. May we not shy away from the cross, and may we give to Jesus so that other people can have hope in Jesus as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
have passed away Your love has stayed the same Your constant grace remains the cornerstone
Jesus we love.